want to welcome you this morning as we gather. Um, my name is Brian White. I'm really happy you're here today. It should be a really fun day. I um, first just have to say, uh, Jeremy is like rocking some new hair, and so um, he got a haircut specifically for this, and we're all proud of him. But also, um, Terry a Blankenship, he counted like all of the trees out here, and there's like over 460 trees. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, and I, we just appreciate Jeremy and all that he does for the grounds, and we're so blessed to have, he's, a, he's actually a master gardener, and he's just been a, a phenomenal blessing, but we do need some help, and so I really appreciate your, uh, your assistance. Also, if you didn't notice, but you think something's different, we, we were painted this, uh, this last week in the sanctuary, and it just looks awesome. Yeah. Uh, Rick Wilson, who normally, uh, sometimes he's, he's one of our sound guys. He actually has a painting uh, company, and they came in and did it all this week, and it just looks phenomenal. We're really, really thankful. Well, today we're finishing our sermon series, Head, Heart, and Hands. Um, and that phrase comes from John Wesley, who said we're supposed to worship God with our heads, our hearts, and our hands. Now, for Wesley, the goal of discipleship was what he called holiness of heart and life. And, and that's a, a fancy term for, or not as fancy as Paul's term, sanctification. It's just kind of the same thing. And there, there's kind of two inseparable halves when we talk about holiness of heart and life, and that's inward holiness and outward holiness which is really loving God and loving neighbor. Inward holiness. This is a total commitment to God. Centering yourself completely on God. Inward holiness is believing in and trusting in and and loving and worshiping and, and imitating and obeying God in everything that we do. Inward holiness is completely relying on God's grace using the gifts that God has given us to become what God has created us to be. And it's only possible through God's grace, right? Outward holiness is how we show our love for God through our love for our neighbors. It's about action. How we respond to our neighbors is really an act of worshiping God. Worshiping God with our hands It's about action. Now, for Wesley, that included, you know, unholy thoughts, acts that we should avoid, like envy, like being uh, judgmental, you know, prideful, angry, seeking injustice, being greedy, uh, you know, quarreling, intemperance. He had a whole bunch of them. Neglecting other people's needs was one. But he also, in, in the positive side, he... He describes some holy habits that we should all try to cultivate in our relationships, and that's habits such as patience and kindness, generosity and forgiveness, seeking justice, self-denial, sacrifice, desiring the best for others. Wesley said that works of piety, and we talked about this a couple weeks ago, like prayer, like reading the Bible, like worship, like fasting, they're worthless without works of mercy. It's very James. He said, faith without works of love is, he wrote, the grand pest of Christianity. 
Because talking about faith isn't enough, is the point. Studying the Bible isn't enough. Praying isn't enough. Because our faith should be seen in our actions. It should be inseparable. Inseparable, like, you know, loving God and loving neighbor is inseparable. This last week, I spent a lot of time on the phone with our, our consultant, Reggie McNeil. It was a great, great week. But we were refining our core processes, and you're going to hear about that in the next, you know, several weeks or so. But the point that we we're talking about, churches used to separate spiritual formation and missions. What I mean, you, you, you learn how to be a disciple in that old model, studying the Bible in a classroom or being in a small group. And then the church was supposed to support missions as a separate thing. And we're realizing how inseparable those two things really are. What do I mean? Followers of Jesus, we learn to be disciples as we feed the hungry. We learn to be disciples as we clothe the naked. We learn to be disciples as we give water to the thirsty. As we visit the sick and the imprisoned and we comfort the afflicted and all those things that Jesus called us to do. Because discipleship is both learning what Jesus did through Bible study, but also applying those things that he called us to do in our daily lives. So Jesus' model of spiritual formation, if you remember, what did he do? He journeyed with his disciples. They saw him right on the job as he was teaching, as he was preaching, as he was healing, all of those things that Jesus did. And then at one point, what did he tell them to do? Go out and do what you saw me do before they graduated disciple school. And then they came back and they talked about it. They debriefed the experience. That's spiritual formation in the New Testament. So John Wesley knew this. And he taught this. And we need to relearn this. Because inward holiness, outward holiness, loving God, loving neighbor, these are things that Jesus calls us to do. And I found so many people are great with loving neighbors when it's someone they know. It's a friend, a family member, maybe it's somebody in their small group. That's all good. But that was not Jesus' intent when he called us to love God and love neighbor. Do you remember the Good Samaritan story, Luke chapter 10? Luke says a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he said, what is written in the law? What do you read there? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But the story's not over there. Wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell into the hands of robbers, stripped him, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near, 
When he saw him, he was moved with pity. The word in Greek is splagbitsomai, which really means, translates, he was moved in his bowels. I just think that's so funny. But he was moved with pity, and he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds. Having poured oil and wine on them, and he put him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. And the next day, he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper, and he said, take care of him, and when I come back, I will repay you whatever you spend, and more. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. Good Samaritan has to be one of the best-known stories of Jesus, right? I mean, we've had several sermon series on this parable, just the whole series before. There's so much in it. And we tend to see it as a moral lesson. If you see somebody in the ditch, you got to help them. And that's there for sure. But Jesus is driving something much, much, much deeper here. Did you ever notice the lawyer's question and Jesus' response? They just don't quite line up, right? The lawyer wants to know who counts as his neighbor. And he asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? Luke tells us he did this to justify himself. That's really important. Because he spent a lifetime loving his Jewish neighbors. People like him, that's what they did back then. He wanted to hear that that was always the intent behind this command. You know, the first half of the Ten Commandments are about loving God. Second half are about loving neighbor. Uh, please tell me those are all about loving my own people. Because before Jesus, they understood God in terms of the God of Israel. And neighbors were those who followed Israel's God. So your neighbor was your own. But for Jesus, no, Israel's God, Israel's God is the God of grace for the entire world, right? That means your neighbor is anyone who is in need. It's a very different thing. Even a man whose people, Jesus says, you hate, which is the point of the Samaritan. Jews and the Samaritans, they just despised each other. So his question at the end wasn't, who does the Samaritan see as his neighbor? Jesus asked, who turned out to be a neighbor to the half-dead Jew lying in the road? What he was asking was, can you recognize a man who you hate as your neighbor? And if you can't, you, you just might end up being left for dead. Your heart's that cold. What's really at the story, heart of this story is kind of a clash between two very different versions of what it means to be a child of God. And one is a vision of neighbor that is about isolation and purity. 
And the other is a call to show love and to show grace to the entire world because, because anyone and everyone around us is our neighbor. And the question is, are you a follower of Jesus if your vision of neighbor is to come together and just take care of the people like you? And watch those who aren't like us just lying halfway dead in the middle of a road and walk around it. The religious people of Jesus' day, they, they said they're not ours, they're not our own, they're not our problem. But Jesus calls us to a very, very different picture. Remember Luke chapter 6, Jesus said, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even the sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that? Even the sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good. Lend, expecting, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. For He is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. A couple of years back, we were, we were kind of struggling with this as a church, this call. And it started when we were thinking about... Um, uh, developing an after-school program. And, you know, we have this amazing campus, and it's just beautiful, a wonderful gym, all of the facilities, and we thought, let's, let's have an after-school program here on campus for the neighborhoods around us. It'd be a great thing. And we applied for a, a separate nonprofit for it, and, and we're all set to go here on campus. And then we really, really got our knees and started praying hard, and, and God spoke. But it was different than our expectations which is generally how God speaks. And we started talking to the school district leaders in our community, and we started talking to police officers and school counselors and just, you know, the people who really would know, where are the highest-risk kids and what area has the least amount of resources trying to help them? And that was East Kennewick. So we developed a partnership with East Kennewick Elementary, um, and... We wanted to work with the kids who nobody else would work with, the kids who are falling in between the cracks, just like our Honduran ministry. You know, we want to work in Honduras with people who nobody else will work with, and, and that's families up in the high, high, high mountain villages. You know, lots of people go to Honduras to work in the cities, and God bless them, and I'm so glad they do. But most people don't go up to the mountain villages, and so that's why we go there, because no one else will help them. We've had a very, over the years, successful treat and trunk uh, at this church for a very long time. We were, we've been known for it long before I ever showed up, you know. I mean, we were the first to have one in the community, as I understand it. And so as we're, we're working on all this stuff, and, and really, you know, we, we need to move over to East Kennewick, um, and we're trying to live into this call by Jesus to, to love others and see others as our neighbors besides those who look just like us, we're coming up on Halloween. And... You know, we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids who would come to our campus for our treat and trunk. And, and it was great. And it was always an opportunity for evangelism. And we just roll out the red carpet, get families in our gym. And, you know, somebody suggested 
that we move to Eastgate. And inside, I just thought, that is the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. No, but I was going to support him. And I thought, you know, let's do it once. We'll come to our senses and we'll come back here for the kids who are like us. And it was the best idea ever. I mean, it really was. And, you know, I, last couple of years, um, you know, we've been doing, and I think we have some pictures up here of the treat and trunk uh, at Eastgate Elementary. But you know what's really cool? While we've been going to Eastgate Elementary, Badger Elementary has come and used our, our facility for their treat and trunk, which I just think is awesome. This has become so symbolic to me of a lot of things that we're trying to do at Hillspring. Because when the pandemic hit, you know, things looked really bad. And our giving just stopped like a month before the shutdown. We, we got to the shutdown. We had nothing. We couldn't even make payroll. And it sounds very dramatic to say it now, but, you know, we decided we're going to go down right and we're coming up on a fifth Sunday, and, and we, we talked about dedicating for quite a while 100% of every fifth Sunday offering to benevolence. And we thought, you know, if we're hurting this bad, a whole lot of people in our community are hurting a whole lot worse than we are. And so we decided that first fifth Sunday to dedicate the whole offering to community, people in the community who are hungry. So we partnered with Second Harvest, and uh, we started providing food for families at Eastgate Elementary through their mobile market program. And um, we worked with Eastgate school counselors and tried to help with some electrical bills and grocery bills and car insurance and medical bills. And we helped uh, internet for families. The school was providing computers for kids, but the, the families didn't have any internet. And so we helped with that. And we've continued throughout dedicating 100% of our fifth Sunday offerings to benevolence since, since that uh, first weekend. And to date, we've raised over $195,000. Yeah. And we've continued our mobile markets at Eastgate, and we've served 5,100 families. Helped start a mobile market in Patterson, in addition to the normal work that we do at Eastgate. That's all in addition to our after-school matters. And the first year, we gave just under $50,000 to the food bank as well. Uh, this year, we moved from that to supporting uh, Grace Clinic and Mirror Ministries. And this whole year, we've been giving them both $750 a month. And um, I want to share about those two ministries. I think they're just so unique. And so we went down to Mirror and interviewed Trisha, and then we went to Grace Clinic to interview Hi, her. I'm Trisha McFarlane with Mirror Ministries. Our mission at Mirror Ministries is to reach out to domestic minor sex trafficking victims. That's somebody who's been involved in commercial sexual activities and is under the age of 18 and is here right here in the Tri-Cities. That's where God started the vision. What we found, though, is that those domestic minor sex trafficking victims are sometimes not finding us or finding hope and healing until they're 20 or 30 or 40 or 60 years old. Currently, our clients range in age from age 6 to 63. 97% um, of, of our clients are female. 
we do have some guy clients and we're trying to reach more of those guys who are being victimized as well. The thing is, is anybody, everybody is vulnerable. Anybody can be exploited. Um, you're more vulnerable as a youth. Uh, what we have found is those gals that are coming to us older, they just never found anybody to believe them, to listen to them, to find that hope and that healing until Mirror Ministries found them and, and reached out. Um, what we have found to be the largest pieces of our population being trafficked, familial trafficking, where family members are trafficking their own kids, um, a mom trafficking her preteen daughter. Uh, but then also lately because of COVID in particular and the expansion of the internet, we're seeing a lot of kids from good, strong families being trafficked by people, being groomed and lured in online. So there, if you want to count up how many internet connected devices you have in your home, we could start that list out. But your kids are online so much. We're inviting the danger into our own homes. Sometimes the kids are being groomed sitting right there next to the parents in the living room. So we got to watch for that predator. He's real. Uh, but there's also hope. So find out what the signs are to look for and help our kids and our adults to be educated on what to look for. So thank you so much to Hillspring. You guys support us monthly, plus a whole bunch of volunteers from Hillspring help out here on a regular basis as well. Um, your monthly support, though, as champions, you're keeping our street outreach going. So the advocates go out and they're literally on the streets looking for and building relationships for those who are being victimized. They're online looking for those who are being victimized. And then we have the outreach center here where you're keeping the lights on and you're keeping people fed and um, support groups going. This last week, we had our survivor support group. They gathered together and threw one of the survivors a baby shower. Um, it was really neat to see them gathering together and supporting one another like that. And they just keep growing and growing that way, thanks to your support. Hi, I'm Mark Brault. I'm the volunteer CEO at Grace Clinic in Kennewick. Grace Clinic is a free clinic that provides medical, dental, and mental health services to low-income, uninsured members of our community, Benton and Franklin counties. We've been doing this since 2002. We see about 500 people a month. And these are people who principally work in low-wage jobs for employers that don't provide benefits. Hardworking members of our community who work every day in retail and service business and agriculture, and who, other than going to the ER, don't have access to healthcare. So we look to fill that need. And uh, we do that because of the support of a generous community, including Hillspring. But the, the 200 volunteers that we have that devote their time and, and energy to taking care of our patients, as well as lots of people in the community that, um, that support us. Uh, the, um, the Affordable Care Act didn't eliminate the uninsured. We still, in this community, have about 34,000 people who don't have insurance. And again, most of those are working in low-wage jobs and don't have other options. A number of years ago, we started asking our patients where they would go if the clinic wasn't here. And not surprisingly, a, a significant portion said they would go to the ER, because if you go to the ER and you're uninsured, they have to see you. But what did surprise us is that more than half tell us they wouldn't go anywhere. They wouldn't seek care. And so the, the clinic meets a significant need that isn't met elsewhere in the community and only is able to do that because of the support that we get from the community. 
I'm really happy to say uh, we're going to move from $750 a month to both of those to $1,000 a month each. Uh, continuing from our um, Fifth Sunday offerings in addition to, to how we support them as well. And so proud of our volunteers, I have to say, uh, at both of those. Obviously, Marcus from our church and several other uh, leaders at uh, Grace Clinic are from our church, but also we have a lot of people who work at Mirror, and I'm just so thankful for what you do. Um, any details, I know uh, several families through our church connections who have had kids who were being groomed electronically, and the parents didn't even know it. And it's just a horrible, horrible thing. Uh, but that's not the only place our money has gone with our Fifth Sunday offerings. And so uh, we've sent $65,000 to Honduras uh, through, in addition to our normal work in Honduras. And we've, as I said, we've worked in the mountains of Honduras uh, for years, and we work with a village over a period of time. We start with basic health, and then we move to um, agriculture, and we, we work with housing and women's empowerment programs down there. But during the pandemic, Honduras was just hammered by storms, by hurricanes. And so we've moved more to emergency housing in the last uh, year and a half, or almost two years now. Not given up our work in our villages. And so uh, Pastor Trevor just went down to Honduras this last week, and I've asked him to come up and, and tell us about his trip. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, and I got back uh, last night about 9 o'clock, so if this doesn't make sense, I'm sorry. It'll sound better next time we talk, and I've had some sleep. Um, no, I, so I just had the chance to go down to Honduras. It was a really quick trip. Went down while well, I was supposed to leave on Monday. Uh, it got stuck. But anyway, got down there on Tuesday and um, just had the chance to go and reconnect with the communities down there and see both where we've been building homes and how that's been going, as well as reconnect with the village of Ojo de Agua, which is the little mountain village we were started connecting and, and helping uh, about three years ago, just about the time when I, when I came on staff here. Um, so I wanted to start off with an update first on kind of how things have been going in Ojo de Agua. So um, I went up there. Here's a picture of our crew. Uh, this is the village right there. Um, there's about 75 people, 70 to 75 people that live in this little village. Um, they have, well, you'll see it in a little bit. They have a very small water source for the whole village. Um, but they are the hardest working, most amazing people. And it was so good to go back, and they were super excited. They'd give me hugs and want to talk and share. Um, and the, the uh, mayor of the village, his name is Howell, and his wife is Tanya. So the most important update to have is that Tanya just had a baby. Um, so they, they've been sending pictures. If you're part of our M25 board, which is our missions group board, you've seen pictures of this. But uh, super exciting to do that. Um, when, our, when we last went down with our youth before COVID started, we planted a bunch of trees. Um, that's the water picture. Should be trees. We'll get to that in a minute. There you go. Those trees are doing great. Um, this is Eduardo. Uh, he's our guy on the ground that we 
hired, and he, he lives there and kind of operates with, um, with a nonprofit peg down there, and uh, is employed by us. But yeah, he was helping with the trees. I think there's one more. That's Howell with another one of the trees. Um, and so we're, we're helping reforest this area, and they've been building off of that as well and planning more, and they want to keep going. Um, now we can go to the water picture. So, so that is their water source. If you see it kind of down there in the bottom right. And uh, that, that provides water for all 70 or so people in the village. It's not much. And it's interesting, when we came to the village uh, back about three years ago, we asked them for a list of things that they, they felt like they, they as a village needed to improve upon. See, I want to back up a little bit. Brian was talking about the Good Samaritan story. One of the messages out of that is the Good Samaritan, the, the neighbor is the one who you kind of used to look down on or had a, had a bad opinion of or thought you were better than. And so we, when we went into the village, we didn't say, okay, here's what we're going to do for you. We're going to tell you what you need to have fixed. We said, what's your list of things? And the water project was way down at the bottom. So we didn't do anything with it. Now, they also wanted a new football field, and we didn't do that either. But, <laughs> but we let them make a list. And this time when we were down there, they said, you know what, we decided we really need water. And so we went to our, our mayor, our municipality, and said, hey, we, we need some water help. And so they've got a, an ironclad agreement that they'll get $6,000 from their, their mayor to help with a water project starting next year. And the water project will probably cost about 15000 to provide a tank and pump and, and run pi piping to all the houses. And I said, oh, so this is... This is now important to you. So would you rather have this or the football field? <laughs> and they all laughed, and they said, well, our wives really want water. So <laughs> that's great. We'll partner with you on that. So we're going to be talking about that as we, as we move forward. Um, so keep, keep that in mind. And we've partnered with Water From Wine for quite a while. They help with a lot of these projects, and I'll mention them again in a minute. But, um, but we're coming alongside of them. We're putting aside our, our stuff and, and connecting with them, trying to understand who, what is God calling you guys to do. And of course, in that, it's just relationship, too. Um, one of the things that they were super excited about doing is when I was down there, we wanted to just get together and hang out and have fun, so we got a yeah. yeah. just having fun with the kids. But we all got together and we, we had a pinata and when we got done, one of the little girls came up to me and like handed me a piece of candy and said, hey, thank you so much. Because, um, you know, it would have been weird if I was down on the ground stealing them from the kids. <laughs> but they just wanted to say thank you and hi. <laughs> um, last picture, they just were like, hey, say hi to Hillspring for us. We've been building this relationship and this connection, right? Trying to be the hands of Jesus. But of course, with COVID, we haven't really been there a whole lot. So uh, one of the projects, like Brian had mentioned, was that there are a lot of homes destroyed in all the major flooding. And you guys, uh, through the Fifth Sunday offerings, through just 
in general out of our budget for an admissions stuff. Um, we've helped build uh, 15, we've paid for 15 of these homes collectively with some other organizations. We've, they built about 130 to 140 homes or, or they're in process. Um, and this is what they look like. Uh, they're one giant room. Um, this lady and her two daughters had lost their place and had been living for about nine months in a school. Um, and so we came in and, and helped build it. Each of the homes has a, a pila, that's what they call it, uh, or a sink in there with running water. Um, that has also been helped with by Water From Wine. We partnered with them on that. Um, so they all have running water. They also all have toilets and flushing toilets inside. We should have one more picture, I think. And a shower. Well, we have a picture somewhere of that. Um, but they also have, yeah, each of the houses has an indoor toilet with plumbing and indoor shower, which is kind of a luxury down there, but also really, really nice, as I would imagine you could imagine. Um, so this project is still ongoing. They're still building these homes. I have a picture of, uh, we stopped by to see where, where they were constructing this home for, for somebody. Uh, do we have the picture? There you go. The concrete. Um, so they're finishing up the floor for this family. And here's a, here's a picture of them. Um, it's a mother with two kids. The, the little girl in the middle is mentally challenged. Um, but she was so thankful to Eduardo because Eduardo has been around there helping out and doing this. And she's just like giving this big hug. And Eduardo is really taking this COVID thing super serious. Like he literally carries around a little thing of spray alcohol in his pocket and like everywhere he goes. So he was really kind of weirded out by this girl hugging him. But they were just so excited about this house and about what this was going to mean for them and their family. Um, because this is where they have been living. That's a, a school. There's two buildings next to each other. There are 46 people that live in that right now. Because in that village, they had about 15 to 16 homes wiped out by the flooding, either landslides and, and whatever. Um, and so they were super grateful about how we've, how we've helped out, how we've been the hands of Jesus to them. Um, the fun part about it is, uh, well, I'll tell you what, let me, um, let me go ahead and, and show you a video of some of How do you feel, Belkis, of having a new house? I feel really happy because I had this, this support from God and from you. How do you live before, Belkis? Before, I, I, I used to live uh, very humble in a wood stick and dirt house. Just like this, the same, the same size, but from wood stick and dirt. What does your husband do? Oh, he works uh, um, with crops. How much does your husband earn? He has a salary of uh, 150 uh, Olympians per day. Gracias. Thank you. All right, gracias. How do you feel with your with your children now that you are going to have a new house? 
primeramente va, le doy la, la honra y la gloria a Dios por la bendición. First of all, I want to thank uh, God because when they were building my house, um, before I used to have a, a wooden house, uh, so now I'm very thankful uh, with God and with the mayor. As she was showing there, that's the mayor of this region. And um, of course, well, it's an election year down there. And uh, so politicians want to get super involved and excited about it. And so he actually has a, he, he wanted to do a handing over the key thing with me because, you know, he gets good press. But there's also a ripple effect in that he then built three other homes with municipality funds. And enough that it caught media attention. And so they had a media crew out there interviewing people that had nothing to do with us. Uh, and sharing the word and making the awareness. There's even a, a church that heard about this, and so they started building nine homes, which we have a picture of, um, and, and didn't do a very good job. But, because, <laughs> you know, sometimes that happens with church volunteers. But Eduardo and Peg came alongside and wrapped the homes and expanded them and have been cleaning them up and finishing them. So there's nine additional homes that didn't cost us nearly as much. The last thing is because Peg got into this village helping out with these nine homes, they also got connected with a bunch of the families and started eight pig projects. This is one of the families that they were working with. And uh, this is what the pigs look like, because, you know, and then this one, because it's just really cute. Um, we'll go one more. They, they worked with eight families. I know, isn't he cute? Uh, they worked with eight families to provide pigs. One of them has the, the, the sire, and then seven other ones have the, the females. And about every four months, they have a litter of pigs that they can sell, and it's starting to economically transform the village. Um, those are the kind of ripple effects as you start being the hands of Jesus that carry on. And we had nothing to do with that. Um, but there might be opportunities in the future, so stay tuned. That said, like this realizing that, you know, the neighbors, our neighbors are the people all over the world. They're not just the ones next door to us. And we, we have an opportunity not just to help, but also to grow and to be changed. You know, one thing that I was really challenged by is watching this community as they had these huge challenges and these flooding and people losing homes. They didn't just provide money to go put somebody up in a hotel someplace. They moved them into their houses. And I lived with them for a year now. And I think, how, how good at being a neighbor are we for the people around us? If somebody needs help, how often do we actually go out of our way and say, hey, why don't you come live with us? And we might give them some used clothes or something, but do we really love our neighbors? You see, we get a chance when you start applying and doing the hands of Jesus to the world, to not only help, but to also 
going to reflect on yourself and your own faith. And how do we live it out? So with that, I will let Brian finish up. Really grateful that he was able to go down there uh, looking at those pictures of those trees. Um, I was part of the group that when we planted those trees, and it was a really cool thing that the village actually got a grant for those, and uh, so it was awesome. You know, we came down to help them plant the trees, but they actually uh, got the funding for them, and what it really was was replenishing the watershed. And it's neat to see Eduardo with his huge hat, and I'm pretty sure Eduardo's probably watching online right now. So let's all say, hi, Eduardo. We love you. I want to thank you for uh, supporting our Fifth Sunday offerings throughout the last almost two years. And as I said, we're, we're continuing uh, to support these ministries, uh, Honduras, uh, our programs um, to feed people over in East Kennewick, but also uh, Mirror Ministries and Grace Clinic. And you've just been able to do so much uh, throughout this experience to... to really love our neighbors. And I do want to um, remind you that today is a fifth Sunday and everything that we do uh, today for this, this week's offering is going to go to these ministries. And just thank you so much. Um, grateful for Trevor to, to be able to go down. And, and I was, it was hard for me not to go down there this trip, but I needed to be here. Um, you please uh, join me in blessing this offering. Lord, we thank you for all that you have given us. Open our eyes to see our neighbors, not those who are like us, but our neighbors. Help us to follow your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen. Oh,